Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi there, this is Martina Navratilova. And you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast on a day that has been largely frustrating at the US Open because the two women's semifinals couldn't be played because of the rain. Serena Williams and Roberta Vinci and Flavia Panetta against Simona Halep will have to come back tomorrow and fight it out another day. What it does mean, though, is we get Super Friday. Super Saturday may have gone, but we have Super Friday. Both women's semifinals, followed by both men's semifinals, and in this edition of the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, we are going to be hearing from Mark Philippoussis, the man that was Roger Federer's first ever Grand Slam final opponent. He was speaking to me on BBC Radio 5 Live Sports Extra, and we're going to Play that interview for you here on the Tennis Podcast. And the same with Goran Ivanisevic, who I spoke to this morning as uh, Marin Cilic was just going out to practice indoors because of the rain. My name is David Law, and I'm joined by Catherine Whitaker of Eurosport. And Catherine, it's blowy, it's cool, it's overcast, and it's been a bit of a frustrating day. It's been a wholly frustrating day. If it hadn't been for your marvellous interviews with Filipusis Ivanisevic, it would have been a bit of a... A blowout, really, but or a washout. A blowout, a washout, definitely a washout. Basically both, because it's blowing as well out there. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, but thankfully, you've uh, you've rescued something good from the day to uh, bring some joy to all of our tennis podcast listeners. Excellent, absolutely right. Now, the the day began as as I mentioned, pretty frustratingly because of the rain and. This place is a bit of a ghost town, isn't it? But what it does mean is that, as I mentioned, we have Super Friday, and the mind goes back to the days of Super Saturday. Do you, are you going to miss that at all? I mean, tomorrow's going to be like a throwback, isn't it? I remember 1992 was the year that... I, 91 and 92 were the years that I really got into tennis because I watched the US Open. And I actually remember sitting on the sofa for what I reckon must be 13 straight hours without moving in 1992, as first Stefan Edberg beat Michael Chang in five and a half hours, the longest match in US Open history. Then in between that, they had the women's final between Arantxa Sanchez-Vicario and Steffi Graf. That went on for three sets. And then they finished it with Jim Courier against Pete Sampras. That was in four. And, I mean, I honestly, I loved it, but it was, it was absurd. Do you, do you miss it? 
Oh, as a viewer, I miss it. Yeah, if I was at home, you know, settling in on my sofa, I'd be thinking, God, Super Saturday would be good. My significant Super Saturday memory is uh, 2003, the day, it was the Saturday when Roddick beat now Bandian in that semi-final. There was the line call on match point in the tie break. And it was, I mean, just so drama filled. And I think in between, there was a delay in between one of the various matches. And I watched a bit of Forrest Gump on BBC One and then switched back onto the telly, onto the tennis. And it was just, I mean... You switched away from the tennis. No, no, in a gap in the tennis. Forrest Gump fitted neatly into the gap in the tennis. It was, Are we going to allow that? It was, as, it was as if the TV schedule had been designed specifically for my viewing pleasure. It was, it was one of the best days of my life. Uh, but now I'm involved in tennis and uh, I see all sides of it in all contexts. I think it's... I can't be... It's one of those things like, you know, smoking in cinemas. I can't believe it ever happened, really, because... It is unfair on the players, undoubtedly unfair and unacceptable. And what we have now, luckily, uh, on the women's side, there's a, essentially a day in hand, really. Um, so I don't think this adds too much to the unfairness. I think actually the decision they made and making the decision as early as they did made it as kind to the, the women's semi-finalists as it possibly could be. Yeah, absolutely, that's right. They did make that decision early. It meant that the players could come in and practice. We saw Roberta Vinci walking around here. She eventually departed the scene. What would have been about 4.30 in the afternoon when she was due to play at 7. Gives them time to rest up and come back tomorrow. It does mean that we get all four of those matches. But what is it like? Let's hear from Mark Philippus, a man that went all the way to the final in 1998, eventually beaten by Pat Rafter. Stan versus Roger Federer and Djokovic against Chilich. If we look back 12 years ago, you were Roger Federer's first ever Grand Slam final opponent. Pretty hard to believe. Absolutely. Um, 12 years ago feels like a very long time and it also feels like yesterday. So the fact that it was 12 years ago and Roger has done what he's done and, and to this point, 12 years later, still be, I think, playing some of his best tennis that I've seen. Um, and that all comes down to just as how professional he is and, and what he's done incredibly so well over the years is he's made sure that he's peaked physically and mentally for the Grand Slams. You know, Grand Slams have always been his priority and for the big big events he's, he's made sure he hasn't overplayed. Uh, he's made sure he's done the right things off the court and so when he walks on for those Grand Slams he's ready physically and mentally. Just give me an idea of, of how your body feels 12 years on. I mean, that, that's what astonishes me. He, he still moves around the court like a cat. Yeah, I mean, I've got six knee surgeries, so it's a little, a little different story and, um, you know, two completely um, different builds um, physically. Um, he, he's very light, incredibly light, um, strong legs, very light upper body. It's kind of like, you know, the, that kind of the, the tennis body that, that you want, same as Djokovic. Um, and uh, moves incredibly well, and he's always glided around the court. I think the closest mover that, that's been, I, I, I believe one of the best movers on the court was Miroslav Machia. They call him the cat. Uh, maybe he didn't move as fast as Nadal or Djokovic or Murray, but the way he moved around and kind of glided around the court, and that's what Federer does. He never seems like he's rushed. He always gets there with incredible, perfect balance, and he never looks like he's off balance when he gets there, so it's beautiful to watch. So that's Mark Philippoussis, the finalist here in 1998, Catherine, and in some ways a forgotten finalist, isn't he? Because, you know, he, he got to two Grand Slam finals and hearing him talk about Roger Federer and being the first ever Grand Slam final of opponent of Roger Federer, his name is 
forever going to be inscribed in tennis history, isn't it? Yeah, he's. I mean, he's a very low-key guy, really. For somebody that was so sort of loud and proud on the tennis court, now he's just. Uh, I mean, he's around tennis still, but I suppose he doesn't do commentary, or he certainly doesn't hark on about all that he's all that he's achieved, which was an awful an awful lot in in context and doing it against. I mean. He would have won Wimbledon that year had it not been... That was the day that Federer became Federer, wasn't it? It had been talked about so much. I remember the previous year at Wimbledon, McEnroe picking him as a surprise winner of the title and then he goes out in the first round to Mario Ancic and, and you're thinking, God, will Federer ever become Federer? You know, and now we're thinking, will Dimitrov ever become Dimitrov? And, of course, that day he did become what Federer is now, essentially, and somehow... How many years later, 12 years later, he's still that same Federer, if not better, which is extraordinary. Well, when I asked Mark uh, about the fact that it's 12 years, you could see his eyes widen as if to think, crikey, is it really that long? And to, to put it into perspective, I mean, Mark Philippoussis actually played some matches quite recently on the tour, but you can tell, I mean, he, he still looks like young enough to play on the professional tour, Mark Philippoussis, but... You heard him. Six knee surgeries. Yeah, there's there's absolutely no way his body would allow him to play um, more than a more than a couple of matches. Really, I mean, he, he he's probably as well placed as anybody to fully appreciate what Federer is doing. I think we all marvel at it, but he must just just be goggle-eyed at what Federer is doing. <laughs> I mean, I'm, imagine him putting himself in the position of being in a. Grand Slam semi-final. I mean, six knee surgeries. It says it all. He he wears like a robotic, um, robotic cast thing on his knee when he plays, just to hold himself together, just so his knee doesn't sort of detach from the rest of his body. And there's Federer in 38 degree heat, barely breaking a sweat, absolutely making mincemeat of the world number 12. It's unreal. It certainly is, and that was a match between Federer and Richard Gasquet, wasn't it, that you're referencing there, that he got through to the semi-finals in. I saw you put on Twitter last night something we've talked about before, another example of Federer's best being the best in tennis. I would say that Richard Gasquet didn't turn up in many ways. I, I've, I actually expected more, given the season that Gasquet has had, I expected more from him. As did I. It's an awful match-up and he looked like he went on, on to, uh, awful head-to-head and he looked like he went onto the court not remotely believing as well as being a bit specifically spent. But the comment I make about Federer's best being the best, that sort of, that exists in a vacuum. That's Federer in a vacuum, sort of regardless of, I mean, yeah, the big question is when and for how long he produces it. I wrote exactly that. I said Federer's best is still the best. It's just when and for how long he produces it. And, and when also means against whom. And you're on record on the tennis podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph as saying you think Federer's best will be enough at this particular Grand Slam tournament. I did. I'm feeling all right about that, actually. Still two matches to go, Catherine. He's got to beat Stan Wawrinka and then maybe the ultimate test, Novak Djokovic. I'm more, in terms of my prediction, I'm more nervous about the Wawrinka match than I'm about the Djokovic match. What? Yeah, I mean, who can't stand beat on his day? I mean, 16-3 is the head-to-head to Roger Federer. Yeah, and I didn't say I was spectacularly nervous about it. I still think Roger will come through, and I still feel good about my prediction. But for me, this is the really tough one. Roger Federer. Federer hasn't beaten Novak Djokovic in the final of a Grand Slam tournament for years. But it's been coming. He's been so close. He's got. I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure that's 
as relevant as people think it is. Of course it's relevant. How can you say it's not relevant? It Two Wimbledon relevant. finals in a row. I didn't say it wasn't relevant at all. I said it wasn't quite as relevant as... Uh, you've been very combative today, David. Come Just on. telling you what I think. Uh, I think I still feel all right about my prediction. I know, obviously, as I say that, I'm thinking back to Wimbledon when he played the absolute best tennis by far, by a mile, until the final. And he played all right in the final, but it wasn't the Federer that had showed up in the previous six rounds. So, of course, I'm very wary of that. But it's Roger Federer. It's yeah, but this is Novak Djokovic, world number one, nine-time Grand Slam champion. I know. I don't feel, you know, I'm not betting my house on Federer winning like somebody was. <laughs> back at Wimbledon uh, I just think he's my marginal favourite at the moment Do you not think that the weather could come into play here the fact that it's blustery I know that the the roof gives a bit of protection Uh, we've talked to Pat Cash and other people today uh, socially more than on the microphone just about the the sheer pace of this court and how how quick the conditions are and that's one of the reasons why Marin Cilic is doing so well as well yeah, I do think it could be a factor. Djokovic doesn't love playing in the wind, though, so I don't necessarily think that favours one of... I didn't, If you're positing that as a possible uh, tick in the Djokovic column, I don't necessarily see it that way. He doesn't, he doesn't love it. Um, Andy Murray plays very well in the wind. He'll be annoyed that he's not there to... Um, I think Djokovic plays all right in the wind. He's a, he can scrap a bit more than maybe Federer can. Although can Federer, Federer has won this title in howling gales against Andre Agassi who was a great wind player I suppose he has I don't think it's great for Federer I just and I think Djokovic deals with it fine I just don't think he's a brilliant win I think it irritates him I think and if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery think again Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime even better this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment no maintenance required improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. 
Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Djokovic, I think, shows his irritation in the wind. Um, but what, uh, I'm, I, I agree with you. I think who the conditions are favouring the most is probably Marin Cilic. I mean... Good on him. I'm so delighted for him. That he's, he's done a proper title defence, hasn't he? Regardless of what happens from here. He really has. Regard, take away the, uh, the massively swollen ankle, and we have seen pictorial evidence of that swollen ankle, courtesy of Goran Ivanovic shoving a picture of Marin Cilic's inflamed uh, bare ankle in front of our faces this morning. And... You don't want to see the photo, trust me, but you're going to have to believe us that it, it's, it's not a pretty sight, is it? So There are no tennis players' feet that are a pretty <laughs> sight. Seriously, it's a horrible <laughs> sight. Any tennis player's feet, right? But take that out of the equation. He still performed admirably, and I hope that doesn't sound patronising. It sounds wrong to say the defending champion coming in and reaching the semi-finals is admirable. But it really is. It really is in the context of everybody's expectations of him and probably... He doesn't walk around like with the demeanour of a Grand Slam champion. He's, I hope he's proud of himself for what he's done. And then add in the twisted ankle. Extraordinary, I think. He's a lovely bloke, is Marin Cilic. And we got to speak to Goran Ivanisevic. Goran, a year ago, Marin made an unlikely trip to the final and won the title. And he's had a pretty indifferent year. He's had injury, hasn't had the greatest of form. But here he is again. Yeah, slowly, you know, uh, he was not playing the greatest tennis coming here. Okay, quarterfinals of Wimbledon gave him a little confidence, but then uh, coming to the U.S., thinking about 2,000 points and uh, all the pressure, defending champion. Uh, Washington was okay, Cincinnati, Montreal, not so good. But I told him, listen, the Grand Slam, last year you didn't play well before the, you come in here and then everything turned around and you won a Grand Slam. So Grand Slam is different. Somehow he likes the tournament, somehow he likes this Artur Esch court. Artur Esch likes him. And he's producing some uh, great, great tennis. And uh, it's, he's in the semis uh, with uh, unbelievable names in the semis. Djokovic, Federer, Wawrinka. It's beautiful. How far away is he now from the form he was in this time last year? Well, he's hitting the ball well. He's just a little concerned about the ankle that uh, he twisted against Chardy. For me, it was a miracle that he even played against Tsonga because the day before he didn't even practice uh, match before Tsonga. I mean, he hit for 15 minutes, uh, was swollen, was big. And I have to be proud of him. The effort he put it, uh, he didn't even complain one time about uh, the foot. He didn't even say one, he didn't limp. He just uh, concentrated, focused five sets after losing three match points in the fourth set. It's just a really great effort. So tomorrow, you know, he's, he's uh, playing a guy who he never beat. 13 times in a row he lost. So hopefully uh, leg is going to be 
okay, but as soon as he steps in, he's not allowed to think about that. You know, he just uh, you go in or you don't go in. So if he goes on the court, he has to just think how to beat him, uh, how to play his best tennis, give the best, and whatever happens, happens. And what percentage is that ankle at the moment? It's tough to say, you know, but uh, sometimes, you know, when you come to the court and uh, all the atmosphere, uh, you know, you get loose a little bit and then uh, you d- stop thinking about it. At the moment, I don't know, it's, uh, we just hit the ball for half an hour. It's not great, but uh, it's not so bad. So it's, 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 I cannot say about percentage, but I would like to be 100% because against Djokovic, if you're not 100%, you can go, you know, to the beach and watch TV, you know. <laughs> And we, even with 100%, you're not sure that you have a chance against him. So, But it's another 24 hours, and uh, I think it's going to be okay. And, I mean, last year, what we remember so well is how he won nine sets in a row, in t- ten sets in a row to win the title, thrashed Roger Federer in the semifinals, playing ultra-aggressive tennis. I always remember the way he finished the match, three aces and an unreturnable serve. And I I remember saying in commentary on Five Live that it was like watching you. And is that the sort of tennis he's going to have to bring out here? Is he going to have to be more aggressive than his normal game here? Yes, and I said always, if he has a chance to beat Novak somewhere, this is the court. This is the place, this is the court. Uh, Because this is his favorite surface, favorite court and uh, he has a chance but he needs to play well he needs to be aggressive he needs to believe in the shots what he's hitting and all these shots they have to go into the court which is very important otherwise (laughs) it's not good but uh, this is the chance this is the court that uh, he can beat him Novak is absolute favorite he knows that he uh, everybody sees him in the final already Federer uh, Federer Djokovic but Let's see. Let's wait till uh, tomorrow, you know, Friday. A lot of things can happen on Friday. No, Friday is a very interesting day. <laughs> uh, Novak hasn't looked completely at his best over the last few weeks since winning Wimbledon. He, he, he lost in the final of a couple of tournaments, obviously playing well. A couple of players have pushed him, like Roberto Bautista Agurt. Does that give you any confidence, uh, a little more than normal? Ah, no, I mean, doesn't look good. He is like a shark, you know, and as soon as he smells the blood, he's going to eat you, uh, kill you, uh, spit you, whatever, you know. He doesn't give you anything, you know. Bautista won one set. It's only a little bit harder practice for Djokovic, also with Lopez. So this doesn't concern him. He doesn't care that he lost the set. We just spent another 45 extra on the court. So... When you play against somebody with this shark instinct, you cannot give him. You 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 cannot bleed. As soon as you bleed a little bit, you bye bye. So uh, he knows what to do. They are good friends. But one day he's gonna beat him. Hopefully that's tomorrow. Who do you think is gonna come through the other half of the draw? Oh, it's another. It's a neighborish semi-final. You know, two Swiss guys. Federer is playing unbelievable tennis already in Cincinnati, just very confident. But against Stan, it's a different story, you know. It's always tough to play against your countrymen and the guys who is uh, just nothing to lose. And uh, I think, uh, oh, I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. Federer is in better form, but like I say, Friday is a very interesting day, you know. Friday, a lot of things can happen on Friday. Your uh, your hair's going uh, a little bit silver, Goran. Yeah, it's okay, you know. Uh, you know, like George Clooney, you know. <laughs> Hopefully, I have 
success. Is it that stressful coaching marriage? Uh, actually, stressful coaching, you know. But I still have a hair. They say the people who get gray hair, they don't go bald, you know. So I, I, we are happy, you know. We're not going to lose the hair. Quick West Bromwich Albion question to finish off. Slavin Bilic has taken over at West Ham. When West Brom take on West Ham, what on earth are you going to do? Uh, I love Slaven. He's a great guy. He's a friend of mine. He's a great manager, and I'm so happy that he he he's there. But you know, my heart is with West Brom. So Slaven, sorry, I can't cheer for you. You know, it's gonna be. We're gonna beat you. We're gonna humiliate West Ham, and uh, I hope Slaven does well for rest of the season. But against West Brom, no. It's nice to see that Goran Ivanovic still knows which side is bread's buttered as far as football teams are concerned, isn't it, Catherine Whitaker? West Bromwich Albion fan, I taught him that 11 years ago, and he's still got it. I don't, I don't know what to say to that, David. He's just sneaking West Brom into this podcast, <laughs> crowbarring it in. I'm still, just bear with me, I'm still working on a number of players to, to become Reading fans. I'm working on it. Just it just doesn't have the same cachet, though, does it? Now, Goran Ivanovic, it's a, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because he he knows that his man has got a terrible record against Novak Djokovic, thirteen and zero. It's it's awful. It's as bad as it can get. But he also knows what he did here a year ago. And I, I just kind of think we were talking about it in the interview there. I kind of feel as though it might simplify the approach for Chilic. Just go out swinging. I think that's absolutely what he'll do. Go out possibly swinging at the net even a fair bit. I mean, you've got to be careful of doing that. You've got to be very smart about doing that against Djokovic. Of course, his passing shots are sensational. But uh, yeah, I, I think absolutely. I think he will go out there very clear about what he has to do. And he might get beaten fair and square by the best player in the world. But I, I, I think he, you're right. His strategy will be very clear and very... If you like one-dimensional, I don't think there's much to it. I think he has to do precisely what he did last year. Indeed. We've got a fabulous day to look forward to. Super Friday it is. What it means is the matches all start at 11 o'clock local time with Serena Williams against Roberta Vinci, followed by Simona Halep against Flavia Panetta. Then the men's semi-finals from 5 o'clock local time. What that means for you if you're listening in the UK on BBC Radio 5 Live Sports Extra, it'll be on at 4 o'clock in the afternoon with that Williams-Vinci match. Then the men's semi-finals will start at 10 o'clock UK time, 11 o'clock Central European time. Crikey, I don't know where to start, Catherine Whitaker. You're here for Eurosport. They're going to be showing us as well. There's so much to look forward to tomorrow. Who's going to, who's going to end up winning? Who's going to win those four matches? Oh, quite well. I'll tell you what I think. I think Serena Williams is going to win. I think uh, Simona Halep is going to find a way past Flavia Panetta. I think both of those are going to be straight sets. And then, well, and then I think, uh, then I think we're going to get... Roger Federer squeezing past Stan Wawrinka in four. And I think we're going to get uh, Marin Cilic losing to Novak Djokovic in three. Uh, I would, I'll agree. I will um, adamantly agree with you on the women's side. Um, I'm afraid I think Roberta Vinci, as sensation as she done, might find herself with his cannon fodder tomorrow. 
Um, not that there's any shame in that. Do game. think she's got the sort of game, though, that little slice and dice game that could make things a little bit nerve-wracking for Serena. If you think of those matches Monica Nicolescu played against Serena earlier on in the year, and actually a few weeks ago, 6-4, 6-3 was the result for Serena, but it, you know, it was competitive. Possibly. Possibly. You don't believe me, do you? <laughs> Uh, there's always that element, you know, there's the Serena versus herself element as well, which, you know, every time she gets a step closer, it will that will become more of a feature. But I still think, I, I can't see any way Roberta Vinci's coming through that one. On the men's side, I agree with you about the results. I think I agree with you about the scoreline in the Federer of Avrinka. I think those will be four extremely tight sets, though. I think it could be a like a, a marathon, you know, an Anderson-Murray-type four-setter. Still, I think, the longest match of the tournament, despite only being four sets. Um, and I think Chilich might get a set off Djokovic, actually. I think, it'll be, I think it'll be competitive, but I do think Djokovic will come through. Sorry, Goran. It is one to look forward to. We hope you enjoy them. We hope you've enjoyed listening to us here on the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. Check out The Telegraph website for all their sports previews on this Wonderful day of matches ahead, and we'll speak to you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 